Welcome to the Slim and Satisfied podcast. I'm your host, Daphna Chazen. Over the past decade, I've helped hundreds of women stop dieting and start living a life that is truly healthy, enjoyable, and delicious. If you've struggled with weight and have yet to find the right solution to your health concerns, you're in the right place. Each week, I'm going to share my best tips, tricks, and strategies to eating well without ever feeling confined by diet rules or short-term fixes. Join me as I walk you through my science-based, practical tips that will transform your habits for good. My down-to-earth, no-nonsense approach is going to get you the results you've been craving all along. So, are you ready? Let's get started. Welcome back to another episode of the Slim and Satisfied podcast. I'm Daphna Chazen, and this is episode number eight. Have you ever heard of moderation but found it too vague or too hard to put into practice? You weren't sure how to actually implement it in your day-to-day eating? Well, if you answered yes, you're not alone. Many of my clients are stuck in a black or white mindset when it comes to eating. They're either on or they're off, and they really struggle to find a middle ground and stay there, which would mean they're practicing moderation pretty consistently. That's a hard thing to do. So I see people who are either very, very strict about eating balanced meals all day, they never break their healthy eating pattern until something happens, of course, and they exercise religiously, or the other type of people I usually would work with are people who eat every meal out, and they admit to having no awareness to calories, portions, or the quality of their food choices because, eh, what difference is one meal going to make? If I eat healthy one time in my week or two times during the week, is it really going to make a difference if the rest of the time I'm completely off track? Well, I can see their point there, and I can understand this type of thinking, But for me, knowing that this all-or-nothing approach rarely plays out successfully, I get somewhat concerned. With the latter, it's for obvious reasons, right? So when someone's eating out and not really being aware, there are ramifications for that that are usually pretty negative and are not really conducive to losing weight. Lack of awareness can never, ever produce results, that's for sure. But the reason eating in a picture-perfect kind of way where everything seems super healthy is also problematic because I know for a fact that being 100% on target all the time is completely unrealistic when it comes to healthy eating. We have such a plethora of temptations and food-obsessed messages from society and from other people around us, which just make eating perfection way too hard to attain and most importantly, sustain, right? So you may have it all together and eating healthy for a little bit, but long-term, it's really hard to stay so, so strict and so on track 100% of the time. And if you ask me, being perfect is never a good goal to begin with, especially when it comes to health. Because being so strict almost always backfires. It can lead to disordered eating patterns, feeling of deprivation, food obsession, and even things like binging. So you really don't want to have an eating pattern that's so healthy all the time 
because it's not necessary for being healthy, right? So to be healthy, you don't need to be perfect. You sometimes just want to eat a treat or a favorite food that's not really adding any value in terms of nutrition, but feels pleasurable. It's as simple as that. So being able to indulge without guilt or shame is a big, big part of healthy eating. And of course, you want to make sure that you're doing it at the right frequency and it's not becoming your norm or something that you do too often because obviously results are not going to be there if that's the case. But I strongly believe that being off your plan, being a little bit more relaxed about your eating is really the only way that you can develop a healthy relationship with food, not feel like you're being denied anything, not feeling like you're trapped in the process of weight loss and improving your eating habits, because then you're going to resent the process and you're going to be completely off it very soon after you start it. So I see this as the real key to weight loss and to healthy eating that's sustainable. You want to be a little bit more easygoing about things, but not to the point where you don't care, not to the point where you're not paying attention, right? So there's a little bit of a fine line there, and that's what we're going to talk about today. But I feel that anytime someone can find pleasure in changing their habits and seeing that we do not need to over-restrict in order to see results, that's going to motivate us. That's going to make us want to keep going and turn this new behavior into a true lifelong habit. So this can only happen if you like the process of change. And I spoke about change in depth in episode number five, so you're going to see a link to that in the show notes below. Make sure you go check it out because that's where I delve really deeply into what it means to make change and what are some of the key insights that you need to understand before you can successfully implement changes. So when I hear that a client is struggling with over-restriction or overindulging. I usually begin discussing their rationale for that, seeing kind of what's underneath the surface there, and work to develop a less extreme approach, something like the 80-20 rule, which is basically a practical way of applying moderation. So we're not talking about the traditional 80-20 rule, which is usually a principle that's referred to in economics and productivity and different areas you know, in the business world and the self-development world and things like that. But that principle basically says that what we do 80% of the time creates the majority of our results. So for today's episode, we're going to take a different angle on this and referring to the 80-20 concept, I like to use the word concept, not rule, because rules and food are typically not putting us in the right mindset and the right emotion regarding what we're doing. So no rules, It's just a concept, just an idea, and that's a concept that's related to healthy eating. So if you've ever tried this before, you know that it is simply based on the idea of balance, and it offers an alternative to strict dieting that can really fit more seamlessly into our less-than-perfect schedules and lives, right? Oftentimes, people try to fit something very perfect into something very imperfect, like our schedules and our life. And that often poses a major obstacle to staying on track without eating. It's kind of like trying to fit a square into a circle. These two things just don't go together. You have to have a plan that's going to fit into your life seamlessly. And that's what I talked about last week with 
how to pick the right plan, how to make sure it's flexible, and all that good stuff. So go back to last week's episode as well, because this builds on those two episodes that I've done before regarding change and how to pick your perfect diet and the the one that's really right for you. Okay, so when you're thinking the 80-20 way, you allow yourself just enough freedom to indulge without derailing your healthy eating efforts and without getting into this mental battle of shame and guilt with yourself. We give ourselves permission ahead of time to just eat food for pure enjoyment and fun some of the time. So it can take a lot of pressure off and give someone more flexibility in that decision-making power that we all want based on the situation that we're in and based on what kind of food options are available to us. So today we're going to talk about that a lot and what it may look like to practice this. But first, it's really important that you understand my philosophy around it, which really has two parts. The first thing I emphasize to clients when we talk about moderation or the 80-20 concept is that this works best as a mindset as opposed to a specific plan to follow. So in other words, eating in the spirit of 80-20 and not getting bogged down with calculating 80% of every single meal or dish is really the best way to go. It often means that we think of food with the most tried and true approach, which is, again, balance. The second thing, in addition to eating in the spirit of 80-20, as opposed to being very number-oriented, is applying this method to 80% of our meals or our food and not follow it in 80% of the time. So we're talking about 80% of the food or 80% of our meals, not 80% of the time. This can make a huge difference, and we're going to illustrate this with the example I'm going to give you, okay? So consider these two scenarios. You eat healthy and well six days out of the week, so that would be about 80% of your time, and on the seventh day, which let's say is a Saturday or a Sunday, you really go all out. We eat a bacon, egg, and cheese on a bagel for breakfast, or maybe a donut, some burger and fries for lunch, or a large sandwich with fries or chips, and then a large bowl of, say, spaghetti and meatballs for dinner. Oh, and then you add a couple drinks, maybe a dessert, and maybe some nachos or peanuts as a snack late at night. If it sounds excessive... It is. It really is. That's probably a four or 5,000 calorie day easily. So you're really still following even if you eat in this way. And many people do find that having the weekend off is something that they like doing. You're still, and when I say off, of course I mean off in terms of their diet. So they're they're really good all day and they kind of earn it. They kind of deserve it. And once the weekend comes, they really let loose a little bit, sometimes a little too much. But that person would still be following the 80-20 concept, though. The main problem with this, other than obviously the huge calorie overload, is that we're giving ourselves mental permission to indulge without restraint for an entire day or sometimes even two days. So in this version, in this example, the person is using the 80-20 rule 80% of the time as opposed to 80% of their meal. And what's going to happen is that they're then going to be asking themselves to get back on track right away the next day, say Monday, 
which may be very hard to do because you're already in a different mindset about food. You've already had a bunch of food that's off your plan. You probably ate a lot of sodium, too many calories, a high amount of fat, and the body's gonna have a hard time bouncing back from that immediately on the next day. That's gonna be a whole lot of of effort and energy that you're gonna have to put into it in order to then become again very, very strict, which like I said before, I don't think is a good plan to begin with. So both physically and mentally, there are things going on here that are gonna make it very hard for someone to go from one extreme to the other, even though technically they're still following the 80-20 concept. So applying the concept in this way is likely going to be ineffective and unsustainable for the long haul if you're looking to manage your weight. It's just too taxing on both your body and your mind. So let's consider a better way to do this and still be compliant with the 80-20 rule and applying it a little bit more loosely, applying it throughout the week so that you don't build up this anticipation and this kind of mental permission to overeat and be completely unaware for an entire day. So say you eat a yogurt with fruit for breakfast and you maybe sprinkle a couple chocolate chips for extra sweetness, right? So 80-20 here means 80% of your meal is good, about 20% is just a treat. Then you have a salad for lunch topped with grilled shrimp or chicken and some feta cheese, maybe a side of some crunchy pita chips on the side. And then dinner is going to be your protein, say a grilled chicken breast, some broccoli and a baked sweet potato. And then you add a glass of wine to this or you end up um, eating maybe half a cup of ice cream or some other treat after dinner. So this is a very bare bone simplified version of what I'm trying to illustrate, but I think you may start seeing the point here is that, first of all, this plan, this version is totaling around half the calories of the previous example. And what we've done here is added a portion controlled indulgence to every meal without really blowing the calorie budget and kind of completely erasing any of the benefits that we reaped from the good healthy parts of the meal. You see that? So instead of saving up the calories for the weekend and kind of building this anticipation up, we're able to feel more in control since we have small little treats sprinkled throughout the day and you don't even have to do it at every meal. If you just had it, you know, here and there, maybe as part of your dinner or as part of your or your, your lunch, or maybe your snack was something that you just simply enjoy and you weren't really seeing any nutrition in it or anything like that, I think that's totally fine. Most people could afford to do that in their calorie budget perfectly fine. There shouldn't be any issue with that. I have many, many people who include treats and cakes and things like that in their plan as part of their week and they do just fine. They lose weight perfectly fine with with no hiccups for the most part. Could they lose weight a little bit faster if they didn't do this? Probably, but this is keeping their head in the game. This is allowing them to stay motivated, to feel good, to know that nothing is off limits, and to make sure that they're not developing this resentful attitude toward losing weight. Anytime you feel like a victim, anytime you feel like your weight loss journey is hard, it's restrictive, you're going to drop out at some point because it's just going to become too much for you to bear. So we didn't save up here. We felt more in control. 
And it makes it much easier to continue eating this way consistently as opposed to, again, jumping back to a very strict routine following an all-out day. So you're here you're mentally and physically satisfied. Now, if you have a hard time controlling portions and things like that, that's a valid concern. Not everyone can do this successfully, especially not in the beginning. So you may want to be careful and start very gradually. And if you choose maybe one meal where you, add, where you add a treat or one snack where you have a treat for the day, that could be enough to be your 20%, right? So remember, you're eating in the spirit of you're not really calculating, you're not really measuring, you're not really doing <laughs> any complicated math here, okay? So keep the spirit of 80-20 in mind and make sure that it's not slowly becoming... 60-40 or 50-50, right? You want to be very careful with that. So if you see the difference, if you like this approach, I want to just warn you a little bit because like I said, there's definitely an art to this. So I want to talk a little bit about three common pitfalls of this approach so you can be very aware and avoid them. So this way you're going to be smooth sailing through this and it's just going to work well for you without any hiccups. The first one is related to what I just said. We are notorious for estimating portions incorrectly. We all do this. We all have a hard time eyeballing something, and we tend to underestimate how much food we eat. And we've gotten so used to large serving sizes and large portions because of, you know, eating out and buying food at places like Starbucks and Panera that we lost track, we lost our our gauge of what a true serving looks like. So if we're not careful with amounts, our treats may end up providing more calories than we realize, and we still want to look at labels and measure things objectively because that's the best way to make sure that you're keeping it as true to the proper sizes, the proper amounts as possible. So when you're measuring things objectively, it means that you are actually using a measuring cup or a kitchen scale. The good news about measuring objectively, because I know nobody likes to use a scale or nobody, you know, you don't walk around your day with measuring cups and things like that. But if you start doing this as opposed to estimating, it doesn't only ensure that you eat the right amount, it's also going to teach you and teach your brain to appreciate what a, what a proper serving looks like. So you won't have to weigh your food forever. If you do this for a little while, if you do it for certain foods that you repeat frequently, for example, saying uh, you measure four ounces of chicken or you measure half a cup of ice cream, each time that you eat it for a couple weeks, you're going to gain the ability to then eyeball it and be pretty accurate. It's just a matter of retraining your brain and visually seeing the proper amount on a plate or in a bowl and knowing that you've weighed and measured it and it's correct. That's how you're going to train your brain and your eyes to visualize the right amount of food, even when you don't have a kitchen scale, even when you're out in a restaurant or when you're just pouring something directly into a bowl, say things like cereal. You want to measure it so that at least you know what a cup looks like. Even if you end up overeating, you haven't lost track completely. You have a, a, a gauge of how much, how many servings you had. So that's the first common pitfall that I see and I want you to pay attention to, which is amounts and measuring things can really help with that. The second thing I'm going to say is that you don't want to use your 20% on foods that you don't absolutely love. If you do this, you'll likely feel 
very dissatisfied and you're going to look for extra treats soon after you're done. So if you choose to indulge, make sure that you're going to enjoy it 100%. You'll savor it and you'll feel extra content after you eat that food. So much so that you're happy to get back to your 80% and you look forward to the next special treat because it was so satisfying. Number three is paying attention to your body's response and how it makes you feel mentally. This is always the most important thing that you want to look for. What works for other people may not feel right for you. So if you find yourself struggling to find balance and get back to healthy eating after having a treat, or if you feel that eating in this way is creating too much stress and uncertainty around eating since you prefer a more rigid guideline, it's likely not the right plan for you, and that's perfectly fine. Eating in this way should feel natural, but not everyone finds it practical and effective. So if you're not seeing good results, if it feels too hard to implement, or if it's creating any negative emotions, there's likely a better plan for you. So these are the three areas that I want you to watch out for because oftentimes if someone doesn't do well with 80-20 or they're having a hard time with moderation, it's one of these three things that are happening. So they're either not using the amounts that they're supposed to, right? Things are getting a little bit too loosey-goosey. They're either not using the 20% on foods that they absolutely love. They're kind of wasting it away with things that are kind of meh, okay, but not something that you totally enjoy. And then number three, if it's making you feel uncomfortable mentally or it's causing more confusion and stress, that's not the right plan for you. So we can work on finding something else. If you want to get your 80% dialed in, I have a great meal plan that's geared toward ladies with PCOS. So if you want to set that strong foundation for healthy eating and see what having those 80% really well, well put together you have to check out my PCOS meal plan starter kit. It includes a three-step process for setting up your kitchen in a healthy way and a great three-day anti-inflammatory meal plan that's complete with recipes, shopping lists, and prep tips. So make sure you go check it out by going to daphnachazen.com forward slash PCOS plan. daphnachazen.com forward slash PCOS plan. And make sure that you subscribe to this show in order to get notification about weekly episodes that I put out. And also, if you haven't left me a review, please make sure to take a couple seconds to do that. It helps the show gets found by more people. Thank you so much, and I'll see you again next time. Bye for now.